0: Welcome to episode four of Emotions in Men. I'm Guy Williams, and I just re-listened to episode one. I recorded it, oh, 10 months ago. Just released episodes two and three this weekend. Um, trying to get more motivated, been a little busy um, just with personal life and work. Bought a house, been remodeling it, and just got a little... Um, Discouraged when I listened to that that second and third episode, the interview with my brother Hunter, just because you know the learning curve of podcasts and everything is pretty pretty steep as most things are. And we were holding the microphones in our hands, and there was these pops and clicks and everything whenever we'd move the mic around. And trying to edit those out, it just was a nightmare editing that last those last two episodes. So I got discouraged. I spent probably four or five hours cleaning it up, maybe more than that. And then didn't touch it for several months, then spent, you know, another hour cleaning it, didn't touch it for several months. And finally, after conversation with my mom, we, uh, got motivated again and finished them up and got them on the air. So that was good. So feeling a little better, feeling a little more motivated to get going on this again. And, um, at this point it's more of trying to figure out what content to share, what to create how often to post uh, and just figuring out my motivations and really where I want this to go because it's been in the back of my mind for probably about a year now and um, I understand that probably the, the main things are consistency and quality of podcasts. And I'm not necessarily saying qu- content even though that's important but sound quality and uh, so I'm really striving to up my game there and do a little better. Anyway, um, this episode... I'm I'm in an interesting mood today, uh, recording this. Just had my kids over for the evening, and uh, they went back with their mom. And so I'm just kind of feeling, I think, oh, pensive and contemplating life and what's really important and where I want to go and what I want to do and just trying to figure things out. And so I wanted to record something and And I think this episode is going to be more about uh, establishing my authority uh, as a spokesperson for this category of mental and emotional health for men. Because I know if if I was listening to someone talk about this and I I was struggling with things, I wouldn't want to listen to someone that hadn't experienced things, that hadn't gone through some traumatic experiences and had to work through things and was still currently working through things because I don't think people, you know, I could be wrong here obviously but i don't think people that haven't experienced some traumatic experience um, maybe it's physical maybe it's emotional maybe it's mental and then have to recover from that or in the process of recovering it from it i just don't understand i don't think they can understand what it's like and i i don't think they have authority and so that's what i'm doing tonight is establishing my street cred i guess you could say um, why this is important to me and um, hopefully it it helps all the listeners understand future, past, and present, why Why I feel like I can talk about this and why I should talk about this. So in the first episode and the second episode, um, the first episode I talked a little bit about my current life, how I struggle with depression. I'm divorced, have two kids, uh, and then in the second episode... Hunter and I talked about the way we were raised in the LDS church and how it just was kind of hard on us, not because our parents were bad parents or because the LDS, the Mormon church, is a bad church, just because it's like it didn't mesh. I mean, for certain people, I'm sure it's great. And like I said, my parents were great parents. They loved us very much. It's just with the issues in my mental capacity and mental... I don't know, mental attributes, it wasn't the right mixture for me and it really was more detrimental to me than it was helpful. So just diving right in. Um, things all started when I was pretty young. So I was molested at eight years old and it was, I consider it more of a soft molestation because it was a cousin who was a year older than me and um, he didn't really know what was going on either and I I assume that he he had some experiences with older boys or or adults that was probably more traumatic to him than what happened to me was traumatic to me. Long story short, though, I was molested um, by my cousin, and he called it a game. We called it a game, I guess. And it happened for probably about six months, um, every couple weeks to, you know, once or twice a month, I guess. And then when I was about eight and a half, my dad had... The sex talk with me and I realized like oh yeah what's happening between me and my cousin shouldn't be happening and so I told my cousin and he was like oh yeah let's stop and he didn't press it and um so I'm always I'm grateful for that obviously but you know around nine years old this had happened to me and and when you're that age you know you're very you absorb a lot and you remember lots of things and it stuck with me and as I started to grow up a little bit, you know, a couple of years went by and my parents taught me more about the the beliefs of the Mormon church that not only is sexual sin next to murder, but homosexual sin is even worse than traditional sexual sin. So even closer to murder, I guess. Um, and I didn't understand that I was more of a victim at that point. And so I had... I thought at 11 years old that I had committed this grievous sin against God and was pretty much broken and wasn't didn't have much self-worth and really wasn't worth much. I um, told my dad about it when I was 11 and a half just because I felt guilty and like I needed to repent. Um, and so I told him, and I did ask him. I asked him not to tell my mom because I was embarrassed. And for some reason, he he didn't think it was a super big deal. I'm not sure really what happened. He didn't tell my mom out of respect for my wishes. And he didn't think it really was a big deal. And we never talked about it again for several years. And the whole time you know i felt worthless i felt broken and like a terrible human being i remember being like 16 and girls i was friends with would ask like hey let's you know tell me the worst thing you've done i'll tell you the worst thing i've done and even at that age i considered the molestation the worst thing i had done and i was 16 years old and you know i was a 8 year old kid when it happened So I think long story short with that one, I think that's why I have such a chip on my shoulder. Not only do I struggle in the relationship with my parents, I think largely because of it, but I also struggle with um, the Mormon or LDS church and really struggle with any organized religion or organized group because At a young age, I was so susceptible to these teachings that I didn't comprehend, didn't really understand, because the Mormon church doesn't teach that if you're molested, you're a sinner. But I didn't know that at that age, and it wasn't explained to me. At least I don't remember it ever being talked about. And so it just destroyed me internally, emotionally, and mentally. That coupled with, uh, for some reason, I was teased Almost relentlessly at school, I had a quick response to crying, so I would cry often up till I was about twelve years old. Um, and then my oldest sister was very—I call it mentally and emotionally abusive. She never really hit me. I mean, there was one or two times, but that's you know that's sibling. She's eight years older. And I remember ever since I was, as long as I can remember, three, four, five, six years old, she would tease me, make fun of me, poke at my insecurities. And my parents tried, I th- you know, I know they tried to remedy the situation, but it just never went away until I was about 15. I got, I was bigger than her and pinned her up against a wall one time and told, told her to knock it off. And I think she realized at that point that she'd better knock it off. So, I think all those things coupled together, I wasn't, didn't feel safe at school because of all the teasing. I didn't feel safe at home because my sister was somewhat relentless. And I didn't have any self-worth to start off with because of the molestation. And that went on for years and years and years. And when I was about 16, 17, I started to realize that the molestation, I was a, more of a victim and my cousin was as well, so I wasn't angry at him um, but the the mentality of little self worth had set in at that point because I had been you know nine nine ten years of that constant self belittling inside my mind and um super self-conscious all growing up because of it. Um, sweat profusely and it really bothered me and just had a hard time. Looking back, I felt like I hated high school just because I didn't feel like I fit in. And uh, it was just a very traumatic experience for me and it, what ended up happening is I ended up bottling up all my emotions. I... Buried everything very deep, didn't let anyone in. Probably not even myself. And that probably happened around 17, 18 years old. And then another five years went by and realized I had depression. When I was 23, went to a year of therapy, which helped me kind of start to explore all these things and uh, explore my own mind and my emotions and try and start to figure things out, got married um got pregnant really quick and had my daughter and i remember i remember when my daughter her head crowned um seeing her little head and then after crowning obviously when her face popped out i experienced this flood of emotions that i can still remember and it's I almost cried, laughed, threw up at the same time. It was very interesting. And it it took me, obviously I loved her right off the bat, but it took me about three or four months to really start to develop a deep love for her. And I realized that that's the only kind of deep love I, I'd ever had in my life, even towards my then wife and it bothered me a little bit and it got me thinking and I kind of buried that as well because I didn't want it to be true that that's the only love I had in my life I was grateful for obviously my daughter and the love I felt but I didn't want it to be true about my marriage that I didn't feel that way about my then wife I was still in school at the time and blamed school for my negative feelings toward life because I didn't like school, at least that's what I thought, and thought everything would get better once I graduated and started working full-time. Graduation came, Uh, eventually me and my then wife, we moved out to LA, California. work because we both wanted to be in California Um, she was pregnant with our second at the time about six months pregnant maybe five months pregnant about three months after we moved out there maybe a little longer me and her had a talk because I she asked me if something was up because I was acting a little strange and I told her that I wasn't sure if I loved her if I ever really had loved her and that I needed to go to therapy and work some things out because I wasn't happy. And I told her I wasn't sure I wanted to be involved in the Mormon Church, or wanted to be a civil engineer, or really wanted to do anything that I was currently doing in my life. And obviously that's a hard thing to hear, and she was seven and a half months pregnant. Timing sucks, but sometimes that's how things go. Started going to therapy shortly after that, and. Three months after I told her, she moved out. Um, And I wasn't super sad about it because, like I said, I wasn't happy in my life and didn't necessarily want to be with her, but I was willing to fight for it and work on it. Fight for it's probably not the right word, but work on it. I asked her for six months of counseling and going and said, hey, let's move back to Utah where your family is so you can have their support while we try and work through this. And she asked me why I wanted to work through it. And she asked if it was for, for me and her, if it was for the kids or why. And I told her I, it's, it's for the kids and because I feel like that's what we should do since we got married. And unfortunately to her that wasn't a good enough reason and everybody has their own life and make their own choices, which is fine. And we decided to get divorced at that point and she didn't want to do therapy and she didn't want to be associated with me anymore. And it took me up until a couple months ago to probably realize why that was so hard on me. Not because I necessarily wanted to be with her, but because she confirmed an inner thought of mine that I had little self-worth that I wasn't good enough to fight for and I think if she would have fought for me and proved me wrong, things could have turned out much different but unfortunately her baggage and my baggage didn't click and things happened the way they happened and you got to move forward and so here I am now trying to resolve all the issues um in my life lots of them were created by myself and lots of them were created due to circumstance and ignorance not really knowing what I should do not really knowing how I should work through things and ignorance of other people as well I still feel anger towards my father for not getting me proper help and understanding the severity of the mental trauma that it could cause but he didn't know you know, he was trying to do his best. And so how much can you be mad at someone for trying their best? And there is that saying, though, that the path to hell is paved with good intentions, which I'm a firm believer in that. Probably another reason why I don't really understand or don't want to be associated with any kind of formal religion or group for that matter, is because I feel like religions lots of things are done out of good intentions but they cause lots of damage that is for another uh, another episode though so to wrap this one up i do want to clarify a couple things one none of this is a competition we all go through shit we all go through lots of shit and some people their mental capacity to deal with it is much stronger and much higher than others and some isn't i mean Sometimes the smallest thing can be detrimental to someone's emotional and mental well-being. It doesn't matter. I call it a soft molestation. But the real issue here is what what it caused, what it did to me, the mental effects, the emotional effects of what happened to me, because it's just a physical event. We go through them every day. It's not like it affects me physically today if the, all the effects from the molestation when I was younger are mental and emotional. That is what they are. And that's the danger we run into is we brush things off. We say, oh, that's not a huge deal. Oh, this dude brushed up against me. I know a lot of females deal with that kind of shit. Uh, I was talking to my bartender last night and she says that dudes hit on her all the time and just her dicks. And... We face with that shit all the time. We just kind of brush it off, like, "Oh, it happens to everyone." But some people, it really traumatizes them. And it doesn't mean they're weak. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them per se. It's just that is how they are. That is how their mind works. That is how their emotions, their mental health work. Um, and so it's just this. It, it's not a competition because. What I've experienced probably pales in comparison. I know it pales in comparison to a lot of people out there. And there's lots of people out there that probably haven't experienced um, things that I've experienced but still go through traumatic events that are just detrimental to their mental and emotional health as what happened to me was to mine. And so that's, that's a really big point that I wanted to get across tonight as well is that it is not a competition. We all struggle with things. We all deal with things. And most of them aren't easy and most of them have a long-term effect on us whether it's physical emotional or mental or spiritual we can throw spiritual in there i'm not quite ready to dive into that realm in my life yet but it's just that life is a shit show sometimes and there's nothing we can really do about it except for understand that we're okay that we have self-worth because of who we are And we need to work through these things in order to live happy lives. I've wondered for the longest time, how do you be happy? How can someone feel joy? Because I've never really felt it in my life. And you just can't be passive about life. I'm starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. By no means am I anywhere there to having consistent happiness or consistent complacency. Not complacency, contentment is the word I'm looking for or joy in my life. I'm nowhere even close. I still have years and years ahead of me of working through things, but that's the thing is it's an active it's an active thing. It's We can't live life passively. If you sit there and let life happen, you're never going to be happy. And I've started to realize that when I told my ex-wife about these things, it was because I was taking action in my life. And yeah, it caused a lot of hell for her and for me. Not that either of us are bad people, just the circumstance turned out to be shit. I wasn't happy. I didn't know if I loved her or not. I don't know if I had ever loved her. And for her, she really didn't feel like she deserved all that. And that's not easy on her either. I'm sure she went through a lot more than I know, but it's just how it goes. And I'm gonna have to deal with it. I'm gonna have to sort through this, which I've been trying to do the last year and a half. I've been trying to sort through what happened, why I feel certain ways. And it takes a long time. And the whole thing in life, I think you can apply this everywhere, is actively being consistent in our actions and the things we do. I think both of those are equally as important as the other. We have to be active. We have to make decisions. We have to choose. If you don't know what you like, go try different things. Choose to try different things to figure out what you like in life, what you want to do for your hobbies, who you want to be, what you want to do for work. And try Make a list. If you try it and you don't like it, check it off and you can stop worrying about it. And eventually you're going to find something that brings you some sort of relaxation and joy or happiness in your life. But it has to be consistent. It can't be these one-off things. It's like I'm going to work on it for a month and not think about it for a year. At least that's how I found it in my life. If I Because I can, I can. It's a trait I developed over the years. I can suppress everything. I can hide my emotions. I can put them down and turn into a straight up robot. But I stay a robot and I don't make any progress. I don't live a happy life. And what happened is I got tired of it. And I needed to figure out what was going on. And I started pushing back on everything. I pushed back on my marriage. I pushed back on all the beliefs I was raised in. I pushed back on everything and said, until I could get to the core and say, this is who I am, I need to reach out, not reach out, I need to solidify this, and then I can start adding things, I can start adding other people into my life, I can start adding belief systems into my life, but until I understand who I am, it does me no good to try and pretend to be someone else, try and pretend to like things, try and do things for other people, out of obligation, out of fear. It doesn't make any sense to do things for false reasons. We need to find who we are and understand who we are and understand that that person has worth regardless of how many friends we have, of how many things we have, of what we have in our lives. Now, I just went on a rant for a while. Hopefully it makes some kind of sense. Long story short, I have been through a lot. And I've been through a lot, at least to me, emotionally, mentally, in my life, and it's been very traumatic. The last thing I will share is, I was on antidepressants for about five years. Last December, I decided I wanted to stop taking them because I could feel that they were making me apathetic towards life. They were ridding me of any emotions I had, good or bad. I would just, they were helping me feel like a robot and I didn't want that anymore so I decided I wanted to come off them and it took me a couple months to get off of them and then it took me three months to kind of stabilize chemically uh, after not having them and during that time period went through the anniversary of my ex leaving me the anniversary of leaving California and getting served papers for divorce, not living with my kids anymore full-time. And there was a point, I remember, I had my kids one weekend and I had to call their mother and ask her to come get them because I was suicidal. I couldn't do it anymore. And she came and picked them up. And after they left, I called my family and they all live out of state. And I went and checked myself into a hospital. Now, I consider it more of a catch and release. I got in there, talked to him for an hour, hour and a half, and they just said, sounds like you're having a shitty day. Go home and have your brother drive up. So my brother lives two hours south of me. He's in school. Went home and he drove up and he hung out for a couple days until I was feeling better. And that was probably the lowest point I ever got to. And that was six months ago. And since then, I've made leaps and bounds in going to therapy, understanding why I've been feeling these things and really bounced back. And I feel better now than I have. And I don't know, as long as I can remember. And it's not like I feel like I have this perfect life or I feel like I'm super happy or anything or happy for that matter. I just feel like I have control. I'm not on medications anymore, which is a really really beneficial thing for me at least to feel like i can do it on my own i'm not suggesting that everyone get off medications because there's people out there that definitely should be on them but i just know me and i know for me the medication was not the right thing so that's my story Um, and that's just pretty much the basics obviously i'll probably get in deeper into each and everything i'll definitely talk more about the molestations and how it influenced me later in life i'll talk about how not feeling safe at home influenced me, not feeling safe at school influenced me, how my relationship with my parents was affected by all those things and how it still affects my relationship with my parents. I'm gonna talk about all those things, including the divorce. I'm gonna get into that one and how that has affected me, Um, how having kids has affected me. I wanna talk about all those things and they'll probably each be their own episode. But tonight, this episode is purely just to get these things out there and to let all of you know that I do have authority to talk about these things, that I have experienced things in my life and do consistent or do continue to experience things and work on things. And I am getting better. It's taken 10 years from once I realized I didn't like myself to now to feel like I'm making progress. And it doesn't have to take 10 years, but it does take time. And it takes consistency and action in our lives. And I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, that tunnel could be 10 years long, I don't know. But I can feel a momentum. I can feel a movement, a change in my life. And that, it's like taking a breath after being underwater for far too long. And What I'm trying to do is share my experience with the world because I want it to be known that we all go through hell and it affects us and we can't bury these things. It destroys us men, women, anyone. And the more people talk about it, the more likely other people will know that they are okay, that they struggle and it's okay to struggle that you can get help. And I would like to combat all the negative things that happen in people's lives. Not that I can stop all of them, but we can heal from them. And I wanna be a voice for that because it, it runs my life every day. And they affect every decision I make, subconsciously or consciously. And I just, not only do I wanna help, but it will help me as well talking about these things, pulls them out from inside of me so I can analyze them and understand them and just work through them, period. So it's twofold. It's not a selfless thing I'm doing for sure. It is in part selfish because it helps me and I hope it helps people out there too. I hope I can become a voice, an advocate for mental and emotional wellness in men. Not only in men, but in everyone, but specifically men Want to talk about it. I feel like the more we talk about it, the more everyone's aware and the more we can do to resolve it. That's it for tonight. Thanks again for listening. I'm Guy Williams and this is of Emotions and Men, and we'll hopefully you'll listen in again soon.